Words are important, but more so even than just what words we use is what we think of when we say that word, how we define that word. I think the definition of word is even more important than the word itself. The example that came to my mind this week is the word marriage. Okay, we all use the word, but what does that mean to one person? What does that mean to another? If someone says, I'm married, what are they thinking? What level of commitment? What responsibilities does that bring to their mind? What privileges and honors? What joys? Different things. And if you have a married couple that defines that differently, well, one is saying, I'm married, so this is what it means. And one's saying, I'm married, but this is what it means. And if they don't agree, then you're saying the same word, but you're not meaning the same thing. Our definition, what we think of when we say that word is critical because it defines what we should do, what we expect out of this arrangement, where we're supposed to go, our goals, all that sort of stuff. Disciple is exactly the same way. I feel like it's really important for us to have a good definition of what disciple is. You might say, I'm a disciple. You're a disciple of Jesus. I'm a disciple of Jesus. Okay, well, what does that mean? I think if we asked us all to write down our own thoughts, we'd probably get, you know, 60 different answers Well, what's the definition, though? Because we might be settling and saying, I'm a disciple of Jesus. I believe that he rose from the dead. Well, you can believe that he rose from the dead and never do a thing for him. Never go to church. Never pray. You just have a belief. Your definition of disciple is, in my head, I believe that this Jesus is this person. Period. Well, if the Bible allows us that definition, then you're fine. I don't think it does, though. So if you're in that place, I'd like to challenge that definition. If you're a person that defines disciple by, I've got to do the right thing all the time. Because a Christian, a disciple of Christ, is someone who's holy, someone who's righteous, someone who's set apart. Then in your mind, I've got to do the right thing all the time. And if I don't do the right thing, I'm not a disciple. Because a disciple is the one who does the right thing. Well, now you're defining whether or not you're a disciple by whether or not you behave. That's called works. I was good today, so Jesus loves me. I was bad today, so I've got to watch out for the lightning bolts from heaven because God's about to strike me dead. That's probably not the way the Bible sees it. But maybe it is. Maybe it is. We need to know what the Bible says before we just impose our own definition on it. Think about the word disciple, too. We use the word discipleship a lot, right? Discipleship class or discipleship materials. Uh, We use the word, have you been discipled? That phrase, being discipled. Do you know the Bible never uses the word discipleship? It's not the way it phrases it. It doesn't use that word. It's not in the Bible. The word disciple is, but discipleship isn't. And have you been discipled or are you being discipled? The Bible doesn't use it as a verb in that way. It's a noun. And if you get nothing else from anything that I say, please hear this. The word disciple is a noun and it is a word of identity. It is who you are. And you either are a disciple or you are not a disciple. It's an identity word. I am a disciple of Christ. Whereas if we use the phrase being disciple, it's almost like I'm becoming a disciple. Nope. You either are or you aren't a disciple of Christ. You either believe in him as a son of God, risen, saved, atoning for your sins, or you don't. Now, as a disciple, what does that mean? Oh, as a disciple of Christ, I want to learn more about prayer. As a disciple of Christ, because that's who I am, it's a noun, it's the way the Bible uses the word, I am a disciple, I want to learn more about what the Bible says, because that'll help me know who I am. I just got adopted into a family. What's this family live like? You are a child of God. So disciple is the same thing as Christian. It's an identity word that says, I am of Christ. 
But we never ask someone, have you been Christianed? We do ask someone, have you been discipled? But a disciple is a Christian. So it's sort of like a stretching of the meaning of the word. We could, I think, ask someone if they've been discipled, meaning, as a disciple, have you learned and studied the word? Have you done this? Have you done that? Are you growing as a disciple? But let's be careful that we don't start using it in lots of ways that make us lose the original definition. So that's all where I wanted to start. The word disciple is a noun. When we find in the Bible, it just means believer, adherent, follower, student. Jesus is the teacher. We are the student. Uh, apprentice is probably the best terminology for disciple because an apprentice learns a trade under the master. But you either are an apprentice or you aren't an apprentice. Do you work under the master? Are you learning the trade or are you not? You're not becoming an apprentice. You're becoming a master craftsman, but you are an apprentice or you are not. We need to know if we're disciples or not. So we need to know what the Bible's definition of it is. Say, am I doing that? Do I believe that? Do I act that way? Okay, well, then I am. I am a disciple. I am an apprentice to Jesus. I am learning at his feet. I'm trying to become like my master. And as a part of that, I'm going to study, and I'm going to learn, and I'm going to act, and I'm going to start doing all these sorts of things. That's the sermon in a nutshell. But I don't want you to take my word for it. I want to open the Bible together and see what Scripture has to say. So Luke is where we're going to start. There's three separate verses in the Gospel of Luke that we're going to look at. And then we're going to flip over to uh, John. And if we have time, maybe we'll bump over to Matthew for one Scripture. But these three short Scriptures in Luke. Uh, Luke chapter 14, verse 26. If you need a Bible, there are Bibles under your seats. Feel free to look it up on your phone or wherever is most convenient for you. Or just to listen if you would like. But we're in Luke 14, 26. So yeah, New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke. And then Luke chapter 14, verse 26. Oh, I had you flip to 14. I'd wanted to read the one from 6. Let me just quote it for you. You don't need to turn there. Stay in 14. That's the second one I skipped. Luke 6.40 simply says this. It's a definition word, defining. A disciple, this is Jesus speaking, Jesus said, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. So he's using the word disciple. Again, he's not stretching it or talking about a process. He's not making discipleship a process. He's saying disciple is your identity. It's your nature. But fully trained disciples look like their master. See how Jesus uses the word? I want us to start there. Luke 6.40, it says, A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. All right, so that's our basic definition. Here we have Luke 14. We can start in verse 25. It's kind of the beginning of that section. This drives home the point that discipleship is all or nothing. It's an identity. It's a yes or a no, an in or an out. It's I am or I am not type of statement. Jesus does not give us area for middle ground, but he does give us area for growth once we have that identity of disciple. So let's see how he describes it here. Luke 14, 25. Now great crowds accompanied Jesus, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother 
and wife and children and brothers and sisters, and yes, even hate his own life, he cannot be my disciple. So Jesus is using hyperbole, okay? He's exaggerating to make the point. If anyone doesn't even hate everything else, have it be all for me, he cannot be my disciple. Noun, identity. Let's keep going. Verse 27. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which one of you desiring to build up a tower doesn't first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish it, all who see it will begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and wasn't able to finish Or, what king who's going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and he asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Jesus is just asking for commitment. He's asking for everything that you have. He's asking for all of your thoughts to be geared towards how can I think more like Christ? How can I learn more about Christ? How can God fill my mind? Our minds are filled with everything but God, it seems like most of the time. He's saying, make your thoughts revolve around me. Our lives, we're so busy paying the bills and doing our hobbies and taking kids and families to school and places that our lives are busy. And he's saying, I want your time. I want your thoughts. We have our money set aside so we can do in this vacation and so we can get this remodeling on our home and so we can get this clothes and these things and these sports and these. And he's like, I want all your money. I want all your time. I want all your devotion. I want all your commitment. I want all your words. Don't use your words for yourself anymore. Speak for me. He just, he wants it all. Jesus is asking for it all. So he says, even going to the point of hating everything else, And I think what he's trying to do there is to show how far apart our love and commitment to him needs to be from everything else that we're loving and committed to. Does that mean you're supposed to hate our spouse? No. Actually, the Bible teaches us to love our spouse, to be willing to die for our spouse. But that love needs to pale in comparison to the love that we have for God. Everything is supposed to be for him. So if we're looking at the definition of the word disciple, a disciple is one who is being trained but you either are or you aren't. And a disciple is not someone with multiple masters. And you mentioned money, right? It brings to mind that passage that says, a man cannot serve two masters. Either he'll love one and hate the other. You cannot serve both God and wealth. You know, riches. Again, there's the two masters. If you're divided in your loyalties, you're not going to be committed. And Jesus is saying, pick up your cross. So if you suffer for it, if you struggle for it, Just commit anyway. Do it. That's what I'm doing for you. He said, the example I'm setting, just commit. Give me your time. Give me your resources. Give me your talents, your gifts, your passions, your joys. Your Just give it to me and let's go. He says, that's what it takes to be a disciple. So again, we need to see this as the definition of disciple. By this definition, many people who would call themselves Christians could not agree to being a disciple. And that's a strange and weird thing that we could actually satisfy the definition of Christian, but not satisfy Jesus' definition of disciple. 
That to me means that our definitions are spreading over time. What we define as Christians, someone who believes in God, someone who goes to church, someone who is forgiven for their sins, is actually like a subset of this bigger umbrella that Jesus is saying, disciple is someone who has committed your entire life. So yes, of course you must believe in me to be able to commit your entire life, but simply believing in me is not necessarily committing your entire life. So if you want to be my disciple, this is how I define it. Does this mean everybody needs to quit their jobs? No, it means Jesus has you in that job for a reason. You are a missionary to your boss, to your coworkers, to the people and the clients that you serve. You are sent there. So he's not saying everybody go and be a missionary to Africa. He's saying wherever you are, be fully committed to the cause because you're not first and foremost a lawyer. You're not first and foremost a... I don't know, give me another job, a carpenter. You're first and foremost a disciple who works on the work site or who works in the office or in the courtroom. So if our identity is disciple, then it's like, well, I'm not trying to get discipled. I'm not trying to get Christianed. I've been Christianed. Jesus already Christianed me. That's done. But I'd like to become a better Christian. I'd like to be fully trained, fully mature. I'd like to grow up into that so I could be a great example of it instead of the like haphazard, fickle, weak version that I am so often. So we have our sights set ahead, but not as if one day we'll become a disciple, but because that's where a disciple's going at all costs. All right, so there's our basic definition. Go to Luke chapter 10. Just flip back two uh, chapters here, three chapters, wherever we are, a couple of pages, and let Jesus define it. I think he gives us five specific characteristics of a disciple. So the first point is kind of like, Disciple is identity, right? But now he gives us, he breaks it down into little qualifications, little areas, little segments of our lives to say, I want this from you, and I want this from you, and a disciple is this and this and this. All of it, 100%, 100% commitment. So he does us the favor of defining kind of to him what 100% commitment looks like. So this is where we need to now measure ourselves up against. Be like, all right, okay. I may call myself a Christian, but do I measure up to Jesus' definition of disciple? Well, I want to. So Jesus, make me this kind of a disciple. Yes, I am a disciple of Christ. So these five areas then show me where I can learn, where I can grow, who I can become. Because my identity is defined in these five ways. All right? Hopefully I'm making this clear. Luke 10 and verse 25. Behold, a lawyer stood up to put Jesus to the test. And he said, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So what should I do to be saved? What do I do to be a Christian in today's parlance? You know, how do I get to heaven? What does it mean to believe? What does it mean to be a disciple? Jesus answered him and said to him, so what's written in the law? How do you read it? Right? Go back to scripture. Give me what you got and we'll work with that, Jesus says. So the lawyer answered, You shall love God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength and with all of your mind and your neighbor as yourself. So he gave a definition that comes straight from the Shema, straight from the Old Testament, core of the Hebrew book, which is given by God, same God, same Jesus, same thing. So Jesus is like, yeah, yeah, you got it. There it is. You just defined eternal life. You defined saved. You defined Christian. You defined disciple. You define eternal right there. It, it is those things that God said. Verse 28. He said, you have answered correctly. So do this and you will live. Be that person. You're good. 
But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, well, who is my neighbor? And Jesus goes on to tell the parable of the Good Samaritan. The one we're to love is not just the people that are closest to us. It's not just our friends, not just our family, not just those who are like us. It's anyone who is in need, anyone who we can share the love of God with. So this Samaritan, a very unlikely hero to the story, outshines the priest and the rabbi and the teacher because he loved. He understood, number five, love your neighbor as yourself. So this is how Jesus defines it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. All your heart. Your heart is how you feel. Jesus wants you to feel things like joy. A disciple is someone whose emotions are like in tune with God. And when we find things in our heart like anger, you know, that's not who I'm meant to be. That's not who I am. That's not my identity. That's not a disciple. Look at all of Jesus' followers, a bunch of angry little people. No. We recognize that does not fit. And I am a disciple, so therefore that doesn't fit in me. It doesn't have a place. When we start seeing things like joy, like peace, when everyone else around us is panicking, we're like, God's got this. We'll figure it out. I don't know how, when we have that peace that doesn't make sense, ah, now our whole heart is God's heart. God wants us to feel. It's not just a dry, boring, intellectual faith that he has for us. Disciple means you feel good about God, and you love him. And he makes you feel good about yourself, and he makes you feel good about the people around you. 100% heart. So we find things in our heart, desires, addictions, hang-ups, anger, whatever it may be. We're like, but I'm a disciple. That doesn't belong. I need, to, I need to figure out what to do about that. Come back to Jesus. Come back to prayer. We come back to study. Come back to scripture. Come back to church. And we say, okay, I got some stuff in me that I know doesn't belong. What do I do with my heart? And we grow. We apprentice under Jesus. He's got lots to say about everything that we need to hear. So all your heart, all your soul. Soul is God's territory. So of the five things, all you get to do with the soul is be like, here you go, God, it's yours. There's no work required in that. You can't save your soul. You can't redeem your soul. God's doing that. What you can do is you can offer it. You can say, it's yours. That was the testimony that Sally gave before. When I finally gave in and said, God, do your thing, that's what you do with the soul. You just give it over. But we can work on our thoughts. It's a very practical thing. I'm thinking this. No, I should be thinking this. What do I do with that? The soul is just, all right, God, it's either yours or it's mine. I don't want it. Do something good with it. It's yours. All your heart, all your soul, all your strength. This is your body. This is your time. What do you do with yourself? Who do you hug? Right? Use your body for God, for love. Love the Lord your God. Who do you get on your knees and kneel to pray for? You know, the little worn spots in our sanctuaries, around our seats, next to our beds. Who do we make meals for? Who do you vacuum for? Who do you drive to school? Who do you call? Use your body for God. This last Sunday, L Street Mission, that's discipleship. That's what disciples do. They use their strength as a means of worship. They don't just focus on getting their minds right with God. They get their bodies right with God as well. And they use them, 100%. So we give 100% of a morning to go use our strength. Good, we're satisfying the definition of disciple. Every outreach is discipleship. Every sermon is discipleship. Every song and emotion, every prayer, discipleship, because it's what it means to be a disciple. All those things. 
All right, so heart, we got mind, we've got soul, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Your faith is not just about you. It's about the people that God puts you near. And that can mean walking by on the street. That can mean working with every single day. That can mean your child. It can mean your in-laws. That's part of what it means to be a disciple. And a lot of us kind of like stop at four. You know, all right, I'm working on me. That's where I'm going to start, trying to read my Bible more, trying to pray, trying to work. Okay. Disciple loves his neighbor. Disciple loves his neighbor. A genuine disciple loves his neighbor. And not just in like, well, yeah, I think kind thoughts about them. No. You pick them up when they fall down in the street and you use money to get them into the hospital and you care for them at your own expense because that's how God loves us. That's a disciple. This is Jesus' definition. And you're not being discipled or becoming a disciple when you do those things. So when we serve at L Street, it's like, oh, good, we finally became a disciple of Christ. We're becoming Christian. No, we are. And so this sort of stuff should just define us because it's part of the five things in Jesus' definition of what it means to be saved. We've just at times limited it to a mental thing. And I think that's our country. I think that's our culture. I think that's enlightenment thinking and everything about our education. Everything. We're, just, we're, we're born into that. So forgive yourself, and I'll forgive myself if we start there. But if we're reading the biblical definition, we've got to expand it. Faith is not just a head thing. James says that, right? Faith without works is dead. Oh, I believe. Then love your neighbor. I believe. Then start getting that anger out of you because it's incongruous for you to have an intellectual belief in God and be an angry person that takes it out on others. That's not a disciple. Don't tell me you're a disciple. If this thing isn't getting out of there, if it's not being uprooted, if it's not being trained by the master, if you're the disciple, you're the apprentice, then you're working on that, right? I'm not settling, because Jesus wants 100%. So we bring this full circle, and I remind us of the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Don't turn there. And actually, maybe I'll call the music team up now, just so we can close with a song as I close with the scripture. Think about it. This is one of the most clear points of disciple versus like becoming a disciple. We know the Great Commission. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. If you look at the original Greek context for that, there's only one action. There's only one verb in that whole thing, and it's make disciples. And the way that you make disciples is by going, baptizing, and teaching. Those three are, what are they, adverbs? Adverbs, yes. Going, teaching, um, baptizing. You can't make disciples by staying, being silent, (laughs) and not learning. But also, it's not the learning that makes the disciples. It's not just the head. We're weak on this point. We need to be reminded, we need to learn this, because we think, I believe, therefore I'm a Christian. Okay, but are you a disciple? Because that's Jesus' definition. He didn't use the word Christian. He said disciple, and that's someone who's got the head and the heart and the hands going and the soul given over and loving your neighbor. All of those things. So you're not going to be able to make disciples, teach other people to apprentice to Christ by sitting at home on the couch. That's not where going happens. And even for our Sunday mornings, like service Sundays, we're not going to be able to make disciples of others if we're just here all the time. There's no going. 
But also the going isn't just to teach. The going is sometimes just to serve. And for all of you that just scrubbed a wall last Sunday, you were a disciple of Christ because guess what he did? He washed feet. He washed feet. And in that moment, he said, I want you to be like me. That's what we're apprenticing under. A Jesus who wasn't just like, I'm going to sit in school, and anyone who wants to learn about God can come and I'll teach them. No, he was out healing. He was out praying. He was out walking. He was out washing feet. He was out giving out food to people who were hungry. He had all the strength going. He had all the soul going. He had all the mind going. He had all the heart going. And he was out there with his neighbors. The ones who loved him and the ones who hated him, the ones who followed him and the ones who killed him. Didn't matter. Right? So if we're going to be Great Commission kind of people, we have to know what this means because otherwise we might be like the Pharisees. Jesus said, woe to you. You travel across the sea and land to make a proselyte and a follower, and as soon as you do, you make him twice as much a son of hell as you. Jesus' words. So we can get lots of disciples and turn them into lots of useless people who aren't actually following Christ. We have to know what that means and own it first. And then go. And then baptize. And then teach. I would love to have a little baptismal tank right up here. And every single Sunday, part of us growing as disciples, people being baptized, as well as teaching. And every single Sunday, have us doing things that are serving our neighbor. See what we're doing there? You're expanding your definition of what we're settling for. Let's not settle. Jesus didn't settle. He set the standard really high. Let's just make sure we know who we are and whose we are. Because if we get the identity piece right, then we'll work together. And if we know what those five things are, we know where our work is cut out for us. Then we just learn at Jesus' feet to see exactly how we're going to go about it. The rest is just a joyful experiment to see what God's going to do. So please, walk forward with me embracing this definition of disciple. Our lives will be different. The impact we'll have in the world will be totally transform, totally multiply. Let's pray, and we'll close with a song. Father God, you are good, and you are glorious, and you are beautiful, and you are true. You are compassionate, you are merciful, you are wise. Help us to be more like you, to look more like your son, Transform us. For anyone here this morning that's more of a fan of Jesus than a follower, help us to commit to truly being a disciple. And once we are a disciple, Father, just apprentice us under your Son, who you've given us to be the teacher that we need. Thank you for Jesus. We thank you for this morning. Inspire us this week to live this out. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.